And the thing about the arts that we always talk about is it connects the dots. You know, you may not realize it necessarily, but it connects the dots, which means to me the success of what we do has to do with teaching kids how to think instead of what to think. This, I believe, is the key to the future, you know, and that is something that the arts does best. Welcome back to Wise Words, where we talk to some of the world's leading minds in education. What you just heard was renowned musician and actor Stephen Van Zandt talking all about what makes the arts such an important part of learning. Perhaps you've seen him playing guitar for Bruce Springsteen, or if you're a fan of The Sopranos, like I am, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Stephen strongly believes in the ability for the arts to inspire and engage students, no matter where they come from which is why he went on to establish the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation in an attempt to address some of the challenges of being in, in an environment in which schools are facing cuts to art funding. Joining alongside him is the chairman of the Rock and Roll Foundation, David Roth. Together, in this episode, you'll hear Stephen and David talk more about what they're doing with teachrock.org, the mission of turning STEM into STEAM, what it means to be human, and what Stephen has learned from his illustrious career as an artist. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to let us know what your thoughts are by tweeting us at wise underscore CEO. And you can also check out all the relevant links in the description. So I'm, I'm here with uh, David Roth and Stephen Van Zandt. David, Stephen, welcome to Wise Words. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. Can we uh, maybe start with uh, just a little bit of, of background, uh, uh, who you are, what your, what your work uh, involves? Maybe we start with, with you, Stephen? Well, who I am? Uh, I've been wondering that my entire life, <laughs> still searching for those answers. Uh, this is um, an education program we, we started about... Uh, I don't know, I have no sense of time, 12, 13, 14 years ago now, um, when a certain legislation came up called No Child Left Behind in my country, which um, was um, passed because of our terrible scores internationally in math and science. And um, the... Um, uh, unintended consequence of this legislation was the cancellation of all the arts classes in America, um, which, of course, was uh, absurd for a number of reasons and a terrible thing. Um, first of all, every statistic shows if a kid takes music class, they're better in math and science. You know, you begin with that one and go from there. Uh, you know, and I also don't believe in this obsession with testing, I I, 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 I I believe someday we'll realize that testing is not learning. Uh, it's two different things. Yeah. So it's all a bit of a fraud, you know, uh, a fraudulent way of pretending we are educating our, our people, you know. Uh, so it's it's all it's all been very very um, a very negative thing. So we to to counteract that we decided to start a a music history curriculum just to keep the arts in the DNA of the education system, you know? And, um, and of course, your background is very much in, in, in music and rock and roll. Yes. And, I, and more recently film. 
Yes, I'm in the television. in the arts myself, yeah. and uh, um, you know, as a producer and among other things, and uh, and just I, I find uh, we need a new methodology as well to teach kids at, at, at this point because of the generation gap, um, which I think is um, the biggest. Uh, since our generation gap of the 60s, and perhaps even bigger uh, because of the technological um, uh, determination now of, of how things are, um, are, are taught and, 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 and the fact that a, a kid can look at his device and get an answer in 30 seconds yeah. um, uh, has completely disrupted the entire education uh, system. And so we needed to create a new system to deal with the modern world, and that's also what we do, you know? Right. Yeah. David, what, a little bit about your background and how, how you came to team up with, uh, with Stephen. Most importantly, I'm the child of two teachers. My mother was a, an English teacher, my father was a history teacher, and so I grew up stunned with how much they loved what they did. I cannot remember one evening, one dinner, one day when my parents did not talk about how meaningful their work was and their day was. And that struck me since I was a child, how meaningful not only that work was, but how fulfilled they seemed on a daily basis. As I continued on with my, my own education, I moved into both commercial entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship. I was um, appointed by the governor of California as the chairman of the California Higher Education Commission, the group that coordinates uh, universities and colleges in the state of California, and then was asked um, in the second Clinton administration to go to uh, Africa, to Namibia, to lead up a fascinating educational program to bring the first internet satellite-connected sites to rural areas of Namibia and Botswana. It was there that I had for the first time such a clear, visceral understanding of the divisions that existed in our world relative to those who have access to high-quality education and those who simply do not, for no means organically, not because some of these students were less bright or more bright than others, but simply that they had not been given the resources to succeed. The opportunities. The opportunities to succeed. Similar, I've I've spent much of my life involved both on the commercial side and the and the nonprofit side related specifically to educational opportunity. When I was introduced to the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation and to Stephen's work, it took me half a second to realize that this was perhaps one of the most impactful organizations and methodologies for doing that, creating that really rare opportunity for students and teachers to connect, to connect on an emotional, on a visceral level, and thereby create the opportunity for real learning to happen. And the more that I read the lesson plans, the more I read the curriculum, and certainly as I got to know Stephen, it became quite clear that we we not only had the opportunity to make a real impact, but that this had global ramifications and was globally relevant. And that, of course, is part of the reason we're having the conversation today. Yeah. That's great. And, and of course, you have a, a, uh, a very rich uh, artistic and cultural heritage. I don't know if you want to say a little bit about, about sure. that. Sure. Uh, my, uh, my great uncle um, was uh, Mark Rothko, one of, one of the preeminent um, artists in, the, in, in modern U.S. 
modern U.S. history. Uh, he and my grandfather escaped Russia during the Bolshevik Revolution, came to the United States for a, a better life, and Mark began to paint. Actually, he started to paint as part of a, uh, a Work Progress Administration plan to create public murals in New York. Mark Rothko's first artistic endeavors were just large-scale murals on the sides of buildings, but then he decided he wanted to be a teacher. And Mark became a teacher, and very few people know this. Yeah. When he was in school, when he was teaching high school kids, he decided that art could actually transform and change people's lives, and he decided that was going to be the rest of his life. Mark, Mark, Mark truly believed that art was a manifestation of the ephemeral, a manifestation of his version of the eternal. And that is what drove him to paint and to create in much the same way. I think that many artists, Stephen included, that their work, their work helps people transcend, yeah. either transcend a moment or transcend something even bigger. And that certainly was uh, what, what, but, but Mark began what Mark was all about, but he began again as an educator. So, I mean, that's, uh, you're very eloquent, David, in, in, in transmitting that, that message. And um, how, how do you guys go, I mean, how did you conceive of the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, Stephen? And, and what's, what's the essence of, 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 of how you seek to inspire teachers and, and, uh, and students to sort of connect around, around music? Well, it came down to... Um I guess essentially three parts of uh, what became our mission, uh, among other things. But the main three things was, again, to keep the arts in the in the basic DNA system of the education uh, curriculum, um, which it uh, which it hasn't been. Um, uh, we uh, the accepted the curriculum in America is called STEM. Uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And so one of our uh, goals is to turn STEM into STEAM and add the A of arts. Yeah. Uh, we have just uh, succeeded in uh, the first state, uh, New Jersey. Uh, there's a few states now, but New Jersey was one of the first yeah. to, be, to um, adopt uh, STEAM as the official curriculum. So we already have had a, a, an early victory there. Uh, Sounds great to so, so, yeah, the... Keeping the arts alive uh, for a number of reasons. We could talk about that all day, just that. Um, the fact that the part of the brain, uh, whether it's the left or right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's a part of the brain that has to do with imagination and instinct and emotions, you know. And that part of the brain, when exercised, uh, <laughs> helps the other part. Absolutely. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Helps the precision part, yeah. you know. This is uh, an accepted fact. So um, so we want to keep the arts in, 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 the, in, the ed in the education process, number one. Number two, um, again, we needed to create a new methodology. Um, I visited classrooms and, and, and uh, was surprised to see the methodology hadn't changed much since I was in school, you know, which is basically learn this now and someday you will use it, right? Which is exactly wrong for this generation, you know, and I realized, uh, wow, uh, how on earth are we going to get a bureaucracy 
really a global bureaucracy <laughs> to make the shift in order to save this generation or to get or to maximize the potential of this generation. And so we said, well, we, we need to start somewhere. So let's let's begin with our music history curriculum, and and we'll use music as the common ground, as David suggested. Uh, to engage the students because they're all into music, thankfully. <laughs> and uh, let's, let the, let's engage them that way and keep them engaged on, in a subject that they feel comfortable with. And that's the essence of education, right? A teacher cannot teach until they have the kids' attention. Yeah. And believe me, these days, getting the kids' attention and keeping it is the biggest challenge. challenge. Of all teachers worldwide, I believe, you know, that's number two. And number three, and maybe this only applies to America, but we have a very uh, serious problem with the dropout rate in high school, uh, with the poor kids in the, from the poorer neighborhoods. And uh, we have found uh, through research there's a direct relationship between dropping out of high school and ending up in the criminal justice system. Uh, and, and I mean extremely high percentages. Uh, some say close to 50%, which is outrageous, mm -hmm. of the poorer kids are dropping out of high school, mm -hmm. and somewhere around 50% of them end up in the criminal justice system, which is just uh, intolerable mm -hmm. for any society calling themselves civilized. Yeah. So that is the third uh, goal, to increase the graduation rate yeah. uh, of high schools, which... Uh, you know, uh, comes comes with making the kids uh, comfortable enough yeah. to accept the concept of education. You know, uh, and and I call this process teaching in the present tense. Mm -hmm. Don't teach in the future tense. You know, saying <laughs> someday, you know, this is going to be good for you, yeah. or even in the past tense. You know, <laughs> saying this used to be good for people. What can the kids use right now? Yeah. Because they're into right. Now yeah. that's their whole lives. Yeah. So yeah. how do, so how do you do that with with you know with a say say history music course or a curriculum? It's really simple. Yeah. We say who is your favorite artist? Okay. They all have one. Yeah. And then we say okay, let's trace them back. Let's see where they come from. Okay. And they're interested in that because they're interested in that artist, right? Yeah. So they say uh, Beyonce. Yeah. Okay. So we say well Beyonce comes from this one and that one and Aretha Franklin. And by the way, Aretha Franklin is from a town called Detroit. Let's talk about Detroit a little bit. Yeah. And she comes from the gospel church. Let's talk about the gospel church a little bit. Yeah. And she got involved in the civil rights, uh, uh, civil rights uh, movement. Yeah. Let's talk about the civil, civil rights. rights movement. Yeah. And the kids are engaged, and they stay engaged, you know? Yeah. And Boom. Yeah, we no, win. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, and there, you, you know, know you, it's you, simple as that. You've you hit, know? you know, you've hit, uh, uh, you've hit politics. You've hit, you know, a little bit about religion, you know, and 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 Racism of course, and, music, race relations. Yes, there's, you know, whole whole bunch of issues there that are woven into and and that's the thing that, about the just arts. that one story. Yes, yeah. yes, and, and and the thing about the arts that we always talk about is it connects the dots. You know, you may not realize it necessarily. But it connects the dots, which means to me uh, the success of what we do has to do with teaching kids how to think instead of what to think. Mm -hmm. This, I believe, is the key to the future, you know. Uh, 
and that is something that the arts does best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think one, yeah. one of the things that is so inspiring to me actually utilizes that, that word. What do the arts do? The arts inspire, the arts engage. Music engages you. It engages your soul. It engages you to your very yeah. core. That is exactly the goal that we have for every classroom. Every single teacher from Doha to Poughkeepsie, New York, when he or she wakes up in the morning, they want to inspire and engage their students. So to the extent that we are utilizing that same methodology, a teacher that I had when I was very young I had, a, had a remarkable way of discussing this. He said that he needed to teach to people's listening. If you teach and they are not listening, it almost is irrelevant and does not matter. But to teach to people's listening means to ensure that what you're teaching to Stephen's point is not only relevant, but sparks creativity, sparks your imagination. And for example, one of our lessons, which hopefully people will get a chance to look at, talks about the creation of, of labor unions, specifically the coal miners labor union in the United States. There's a remarkable musician who was a coal miner for 42 years, Nimrod Workman. He sings a song about laboring in the coal mines. And I have watched as students watch that video, watch him singing, and then read about coal miners unions and make that relevant step to how important it is to have those interests reflected in national policy. Yeah. Now, for a teacher to simply stand up and talk about the coal miners union, I guarantee you the majority of kids, their eyes would suddenly They'll glaze. zone out. They're going to zone out. <laughs> their yeah. eyes would glaze over. But watching this man in his mm. 80s talk about breathing coal dust and having coal dust in his hair suddenly makes it not only relevant, but engages them and sparks their creativity. Mm. That's obviously the goal of the process. Yeah, very, very, very powerful indeed, yeah. Yeah, we supply tools basically. Oh, 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 we exist for one simple reason, to to give teachers the tools to help them. You know, we, we design this thing uh, more for teachers than for students, yeah. to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we figure if we, can, if we get the teachers excited, they'll, they'll take care of the rest, you know. Uh, so we, we, we provide uh, the teachrock.org uh, curriculum provides uh, free you know, music and and and, uh, and uh, video, all licensed worldwide. You know, uh, the entire thing, of course, is free, and the entire thing is privately funded, so uh, we can move quickly and uh, adjust things according to how we feel they should be adjusted, and uh, don't have to worry about too much about uh, bureaucracy. Uh, you know, issues. So. Um, you know, we, 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 we continue to create a new lesson plan every week or so. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, we're just getting started, really. We just went public with it, uh, last year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. After 12 years of building, I wanted to have at least 100 lessons online before we announced it. And we are now above 150 lessons. Mm -hmm. And, um, just um, having started last year, we are above 25,000 teachers registered already. Wow. You know. Wow, that's remarkable. So, yeah, it's a good it's a start. remarkable achievement. Very good Congratulations. start. Congratulations. Thank you. One of the yeah. things that I know WISE has certainly discussed, and, I, and certainly within the context of the United Nations, relates to the right to an education. Right. Uh, I, I think, to Stephen's point, there is no profession around the planet that is less appreciated, less remunerated 
then teaching, yeah. then the teaching profession, the very profession upon which our globe's progress rests is often the one least appreciated yeah. in all of our societies. Yeah. And so there, to are, the extent, some there, are, there some, are some exceptions. There are some, there are some exceptions to be, to be fair. And, and yeah. for example, in the United States, there was a, a, a remarkable Supreme Court case where it was actually argued that education was not a fundamental right. And the dissent to that was that actually it's the fundamental right that makes all other fundamental rights Possible. acceptable. Exactly. And so as yeah. around our world, yeah. people come to the conclusion that it is, in fact, because of education, not necessarily in spite of it and not as a as a as a auxiliary to it, but because of it. That's how our societies. Well, I, I mean, I, my my own view is that ed- education powers civilization without education there is no civilization and so the rest is you know is is in some ways ancillary to to education and and if you look at where when did the first schools emerge right about the same time as writing was invented which is right about the same time human beings started living in cities and civilization the root word is uh is civitas which is the latin for uh for uh, uh, cities. I mean, that's, that's the essence of it. So, um, And if you look back to the early Greeks, they always included the arts in, the, in the education yeah. system. Yeah. You know? yeah. So they knew even then, you know, it was not something extra. It was not something... It was, it was integral. Uh, extracurricular, you know, process. after school, you know, yeah. <laughs> project. <laughs> it was integral... To and, and essential to the you know, in, quality in, of life. In fact, at, on the Acropolis, as 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 many people know, all decrees were carved. They were carved along with the artistic representations of what that decree would mean for society, for the demos, for the population. So, to that, to Stephen's point, it was not a, it was not relevant or irrelevant they were inextricably combined and it's only in our current world where we have divided them and determined one is less important than the other you know and and, and equally i mean just you know on the other side of the uh, the world the chinese also were very clear that you know that art and music were were integral elements of the the uh, proper education of a of a gentleman i mean it's a gentleman in those days that was the um the focus is, as with the Greeks, they worried about the education of young men, less so about women, but that's okay. We, we forgive them two and a half thousand years. We've, we've learned, we've, we've progressed since then. Um, but yeah, they, these were all, you know, it was wrapped up together with sport, of course, as well. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and, and sort of physical fitness was also seen as part and parcel of a good education. So it's it's good to it's good to see that that you're you know very much uh, at at the forefront, if you will, of of kind of driving the reinsertion of the arts back into back into the curriculum. What are some of the challenges that you are that you've come across, and how how do you go about overcoming them? We've had remarkably few challenges. Okay, uh, I have been quite surprised by this actually. Uh, um, every place we have gone. You know, from every level of the, from obviously the teacher level to the administration to, to the, the school boards, to, um, uh, uh, there's absolutely everyone is embracing this thing, you know? Uh, perhaps because it's free. 
<laughs> that doesn't hurt. <laughs> but um, we've had uh, the most amazing uh, reaction to this. Uh, you know, uh, where have you been all my life sort of thing, you know. And we didn't quite realize uh, how, how how necessary this thing was when we started. I mean, we, you know, we, we couldn't have known. And I think I think part of part of the reason it has been so universally embraced, <clears throat> our goal was not and is not to supplant anything. We're not simply, we're not going into schools or into school districts and saying, because of this, you won't be able to do that. Yeah. We are not only supplementing, but adding in a way that is creating value in each and every classroom. To, to Stephen's point, uh, we have not had one district, one school, one teacher that has said that this is not not only extraordinarily valuable, but immediately relevant to their schools. And one of the challenges that we all worried about are, again, not only teachers underpaid and underappreciated, they are so busy. How are they going to be able to do this? The curriculum as it exists, and I think, again, this is globally relevant, not just in the United States context, that these are, this is curriculum and the context can be applied to any subject, any discipline in a way that, again, creates an, an creates that spark of excitement in well, students. And if there's one thing we, we know again for a fact is that music and, and art more broadly is, is universal. I mean, arguably we started, we started painting long before we started writing and we probably started singing and dancing about the same time as we came up with, with language. So these, these are very deeply rooted uh, behaviors and traits that that we we all share as human beings. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And to the extent that, and, it, and it's interesting. I'm very glad that you said that. One of the one of the statements that that my great uncle, that Mark, always made is that he pined for, he wished for the time in the ancient times when art and music and creativity was just simply part of everyday life. And the point being your exact point that it is, and I love the, what it means to be human. What does it mean to be human? Of course, one of the themes of wise this year, yeah. it could be argued very succinctly that art and music is quintessentially human, that there is so much else, of course, that makes up who we are, but that that is one thing that connects us all, no matter where we are, no matter where we come from and no matter where we're going. Yeah. Fairly exclusive amongst the species. <laughs> That's true. You know, that, is, I mean, that is true. I mean, you can make an argument for spider webs or whatever. Uh, whale songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, whale song. Yes. Yeah. A teacher, actually, you know, a, te- a teacher at one of our conferences <laughs> made a great statement that I wrote down. And, and she said to me, birds sing, but you don't see a group of birds marching together to that song and being happy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was an extraordinary way of thinking. And to your point, it's mm. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's change t- tack a little bit and just uh, say say something about uh, maybe starting again with you, Stephen. What what is your sort of artistic heritage and background uh, uh, taught you and enabled you to do? I mean, obviously you're you're you know you're incredibly uh, successful as an as an artist, uh, and and uh, I use the term broadly because. As we've mentioned before, you've, you, you're in music, you're in, uh, in, in film, both, uh, on screen and, uh, and as a producer. Uh, but tell me a little bit about your, how did you get into, first of all, into, uh, into, into the arts? What was the inspiration? 
Well, it was um, uh, the beginning for me was basically not fitting into society uh, in any way. Okay. And um, wondering where I was going to go with my life. And um, it happened to coincide with um, what I now refer to as the renaissance of the 60s. And it really was a renaissance mm -hmm. in the sense that the most, uh, the highest quality art being made was also the most commercial. Yeah. All right? We'll never see that again. And you see it only every couple of hundred years. Yeah. And in that sense, it was a true renaissance uh, that happened you know, right on uh, my 13th birthday, um, two things happened on my 13th birthday. Uh, and I think they are related in some ways. Uh, President John Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, he was the hope of our new generation. And the Beatles uh, released uh, their first album uh, relatively around that time in America. And so the depression that the country immediately went into because of the assassination of the entire future, as we saw it, um, was balanced somewhat by this extremely new uh, yeah. sort of exuberance. Um, uh, this, this group uh, called the Beatles, which came, uh, as we called it, the British Invasion, yeah, began with, with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and um, they introduced several things. Uh, they introduced the concept of a band. Uh, up until then, there really was no such thing. People find it hard to believe, but they were individuals like Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley and Little Richard. They were singing groups, uh, but there were no real, not, not a lot of bands that sang and played and eventually wrote their own songs and were as clever as, as the Beatles were. Uh, they were great representatives of this future uh, that was about to happen. Uh, they were very funny. Uh, their clothes were different. Their hair was different. Everything about them was new. And they basically, uh, their music was um, a communication of pure joy. There's no other way to describe it, you know? Their early records were just this elation you know, being communicated, which is exactly what my country needed at that time, you know, because of the depression. Um, so suddenly, um, I was never interested in show business, you know. I, I like it now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been good to you. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I like the actual showbiz aspects of showbiz, you know. But in the, in, in the early days, I didn't, I had no, I, I did not. Um, and so I, I always have... Uh, credited both the Beatles uh, and the Rolling Stones for, for, for getting me into this business uh, because the Beatles re revealed that there was a new world, uh, this world of music, of, of bands, uh, and, and that world of, of bands communicated something different. It was not look at me, you know, I'm an individual uh, in the spotlight. It's look at us. It's us. Yeah, yeah. It's we. It's the it's the family. It's the brotherhood. It's the it's 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 the the, the friendship and the posse and the and the and the in yeah. the clubhouse and the football team. You know, all that is in the band. You know, but we discovered the Beatles halfway through their career. 
They had started uh, really in like 1958. We discovered them in 1964. They're gone by 1969. No, it's, it's incredible when you look at the, the canon of their work and that really short period of time, yes. they were just incredibly prolific and productive Absolutely. And, and inventive, right? Yeah, but by the time we discovered them, they were extremely highly evolved. Yeah. So they were perfect. Yeah. The harmony was perfect. Their clothes were perfect. The hair was perfect, you know. So they but, well, then they went the other way. I mean, they're sort of the well, right? They, they, so they revealed a new world, but they didn't exactly invite you in, okay? Because it was just beyond your comprehension that you could do that. Fortunately, four months later, the Rolling Stones come, okay, and they make it look easier than it is. <laughs> they didn't have the same clothes on. They wore different things. Their hair wasn't uh, all Quite perfect. As, as neat. Except yeah. for Brian Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they didn't have the harmony, really. You know, it was, they were really the first punk band, you know, uh, in, in a sense of making it extremely accessible, you know. So you look at the Beatles and say, geez, mm, I don't know if I can do that. But the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, maybe I get a shot yeah. <laughs> doing that, you know. So, again, they made it look easier than it was, obviously. But it was that combination of this new band idea and that amazing uh, sort of uh, exuberance, I'd say, like that joy coming from the Beatles. But then the Rolling Stones did something that really made the difference for me. Uh, Mick Jagger, the lead singer, was the first person I have ever, ever seen in show business that did not smile. Now, that doesn't seem like a very big deal. It was the biggest possible deal to me. Why? Because by not smiling, it was not show business. He was communicating a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to be part of that lifestyle. I don't care about show business. But I want that lifestyle. I want to be able to do that for a living and, and, and live that lifestyle, you know, and not have a phony smile for the cameras, you know, but yeah. actually... Just just be yourself, basically. Yes, and, yes, and, you know. Yeah. So that was an essential part of that, of, of, the, of the, you know, invitation for me to get involved. Yeah. yeah. David, what, what's your... Uh how did you get into into the arts world from a, a, a admittedly a different direction? I don't know if you certainly do you play. Um, I, I, you, I, I you do, do play, but right? not not yeah. not to any extent uh, that, that would be publicly admissible. However, <laughs> play what? My, I play the drums, but not. We, we'll do. No, this is news to me. <laughs> so we have, we have to come to we have to come to play drums. We have more important things to talk about. We have more important things to do. I will never forget. Never forget going with my parents on a Friday night to go see La Boheme at the Los Angeles Opera. And then the next night going with my friends to see the Rolling Stones at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. I will never forget those 48 hours for not only the impact that they had upon me as a growing individual, yeah. but for the impact that it showed me that it had on society's ability to come together. Yeah. So you looked at the performance space for La Boheme the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, then you looked at Dodger Stadium, within those 48 hours, every single human being, every typology of human, every size, every color, every shape, every ethnicity, every background was together. And they were together for that one simple reality of music, whether it was the opera or whether it was the Rolling Stones. And for me, that 
that helped crystallize my sense that this is, this is how we bring people together. And I think that from a policy, as I then continued to, to, to grow and to move into positions where I could actually make policy, that has always undergirded my goal as a policymaker. How do we create education policy or social policy that creates, actually creates, these opportunities for people from such disparate backgrounds to be together, to actually be together physically, not just emotionally, but physically be together in the appreciation of something that is somewhat ephemeral, right? That concert is ephemeral. It's there, and three hours later, it's gone. But that memory and the experience persists for someone's whole life. But the music isn't ephemeral. And this is what I, especially since we started recording, and the so you know, as you, as you were speaking, I you know, of course, I had the 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 sound the come together from the Beatles <laughs> playing in the back of my head. You, know, you, you started with the Beatles, and then, um, but you know, the the fact that we you know that we can so I I'm I'm probably a decade uh, uh, behind you, I guess, in in uh, in uh, in age, Stephen, or so. And then you know, the fact that I could grow up in the in the eighties and the first music that I got introduced to introduced to from my mom was the Beatles right and and that I could appreciate that music and, and now my kids you know uh, are still you know able to appreciate you know the, the it's good parenting the, the, <laughs> absolutely well you know I, I try I took my son to Carlos Santana live <laughs> when he was when he was 10 in the hopes that I could you know infect him to, to do what I wasn't able to do which is to learn to play the guitar and I'm not sure I quite succeeded, but <laughs> and Steve, Stephen, but there, there's, there's another, hope. Uh, another there's good choice. Yet. <laughs> Stephen knows this as a, as a parent. I have two little girls, and we have a rule. On the way to school, yeah. we listen to their music. Yeah. On the way back from school, we listen to, to my dad's music, music every yeah, yeah. single day. <laughs> and the great thing about that, it, it's simply on a very serious level, that also helps bridge a divide, a generational divide, certainly between us as family members, but it speaks to the exact same thing, that the music persists, those human moments of connection are made possible because of it. Well, I have a, I have a daughter who's heavily into musical theater and she's, she's studying it, she's a singer. You know, I, I, so my attempts to introduce her to rock uh, didn't quite uh, latch on. She's in the show tunes, but you know, yeah, those, those are, those are <laughs> that's perfectly fine. No, I'm that's, kidding. Uh, I'm just, that's great stuff. I'm are you kidding? Super proud of her, and she's uh, she just performed in uh, a community theater production of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, oh, that, fantastic! Great, yeah, that's great. Yeah, congratulations. I'm. Thank you. <laughs> There's no better music on earth than West Side Story. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that, that is that is <laughs> the best music ever made. From, yeah. <laughs> what a Wonderful. Um, well, I'm I'm conscious that you know I've I've uh, taken up a, f- a fair amount of your time, but this has been a, a highly enjoyable and uh, informative conversation. We're again very very happy to have you here at at Wise 2019. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, hearing both of you uh, speak in the coming coming days and uh, I hope this isn't the last time that you uh, uh, we have you at Wise and, and on this podcast so Stephen and David thank you thank you for we, your wise uh, words thank you very much I know I speak uh, for David when I say we are honored to be invited and uh, congratulate you on uh, 10 years now 
Yeah, well, I mean, not just me, but the entire oh, team. You, and, and, yes, of course. And, uh, and of course, Her Highness, who, who you know, is, is very much behind this. Yes, this and uh, yeah. her vision uh, was extraordinarily important. You know? And uh, it's nice to see it becoming realized. It has become reality, and that's so impressive. But again, Thank great, you very great much. to have you both, both with us. Honored to be here. <laughs>